This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. This is a show where we talk about markets. You probably know that if you're listening, but uh, yeah, that's what we do mostly. And we talk to some great guests. And today on the show, we have the founder. He's a swing trader and the founder of Desire to Trade, Mr. Etienne Kret. And uh, Etienne was awesome to talk to. He is an expat, but not from the United States. He's from Montreal. He's living in Thailand right now. He's been kind of shanghai there since the beginning of the lockdown. But he was a cool guy. Uh, Dan is out for this little intro, but I brought in John Doherty himself to kind of introduce the show a little bit and talk about the sort of wacky stuff that is going on <laughs> in the world right now. John, how you doing? Doing great, Jack. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, this is the last podcast. This will be released Thursday. This will be the last podcast before the U.S. presidential elections that happen on Tuesday. They've kind of been happening for like a month now. It's been a uh, election played out in slow motion because of the record amount of early voting and more voting for mail because of the epidemic, pandemic. And uh, in the last few days, you know, after a long time of everyone kind of talking about how the winter would be super tough and we might see more problems with covid took until this week for the market to kind of uh shit the bed so to speak yeah there's there's panic in the air for sure uh the cdc came out and reported close to nine million positive cases earlier this morning and that's a significant spike just from yesterday personally i live in chicago tomorrow everything's going to be locked down again no more eating in restaurants uh you could still eat outside, but it's 30 degrees out. Who's going to want to do that, right? I tried a couple times. I nearly froze to death. Tried to see a drive-in movie the other day. <laughs> and uh, nearly fro- I was, it was nearly like Jack uh, Nicholson at the end of The Shining by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's no fun. And uh, like you said, it's looking like a bleak winter for everybody right now. Yeah, and we're not trying to stoke fear either. Listen, I'm trying to be an optimist on these things. I'm talking about fear too, and I was talking about this with JD before we started recording right here. Fear in the sense of uh, what the kind of fear the markets react to. And I can just speak for myself personally. I was just telling JD that as far as being fearful of uncertainty of what's coming forward, I felt that in March, and everyone did. And that's when the you know, markets were crashing until the Fed came in. And kind of scooped it. And then it's pretty incredible that for seven months since then, there's kind of been this gradual ease of everything's all right. We all know everything's not all right. But there's just been sort of this group delusion, so to speak. You see the markets go to all-time highs. You see people mostly going about normal. And then for the first time this week, I see from talking to people and the sort of, you know, articles you see in places, I'm finally starting to see people worried again about this. And lo and behold, once it does, we've had two big down days in the past three. And I would caution, especially with the planned volatility event that we have coming next week with the election and the uncertainty that holds, is that these aren't the kind of markets 
I wouldn't be out there. We talked about some coaches playbook this week. If you want to check it out on YouTube, it was called, uh, how not to catch a falling knife is just be careful out there when you're trading the markets, especially when you're trying to pick bottoms, when you're trying to pick tops, it's okay if you're doing that at a level, if there's some reason you're doing it, but don't get stubborn and start doubling down on things. This is cheap. Buying arbitrarily on the way down is just a horrible mistake. Uh, yeah, I watched that video you guys made the other day and it was great. Uh, wait for a low to establish itself in situations like this. Do not try and jump in front of it and you will only get hurt. Yeah. Well, before we go to interview, I guess uh, maybe we'll be a less <laughs> apocalyptic with some of these things. There's some good things going on on Earth coming up on the holiday season. Uh, you can do a Zoom Thanksgiving, I guess. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's not all bad. I think we'll all be taking some time off at some point around here. So, yeah, I guess it's your uh, usual reminder just to, you know, stay safe with your trading and otherwise. And, you know, we'll all get through this. But um, just be careful. I guess that's what we're saying. Ditto. Thanks, yeah, Jack. Of course. One uh, person who is definitely uh, staying careful with his trades is Etienne Kret. And this guy has a great life story. He works a lot with doing algos. He makes his own algo trades. He has a YouTube uh, channel that has a lot of a following. And he's just basically a super interesting guy. And he's from Montreal, which is one of my favorite places. You ever been to Montreal, JD? I've not been to Montreal. No. Oh, man. I've gone like three times. I think we talk about it. I've gone ice fishing. You get some poutine. Great place to visit once the uh, pandemic is over. So <laughs> It's on my list now. Perfect. So uh, without further ado, uh, please enjoy the interview we had with N.T. and Kret. We'll see you afterwards. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up Podcast. Jack and I are sitting down today with swing trader and founder of Desire to Trade, Etienne Kret. Etienne, how are you? I'm good. Good. Pleasure to be here, of course. Excited to have you here. Um, as I was looking back through kind of your your bio here, a little bit about your career, I got excited. Um, we don't often get to talk to Forex traders. Um, Forex is like the largest traded thing in the entire world. I mean, even for just the standard person traveling from one country to the next, they are doing an exchange of currency. Therefore, they are trading currencies um, or trading the Forex market, essentially. And I think it's just, it's so overlooked as the most common thing we do. So the first thing I got to ask you, what got you into Forex trading? And uh, let's hear about where you started. Mm -hmm. So I began trading in around 2013. I began with stocks, actually, the first time. Uh, Forex came about, actually, my mom took a course about training Forex at some point just for fun because uh, she wanted to know how to invest in, 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 in stocks or something. And she, so she took a course and I got interested in that too. I heard about Forex for the first time there. And I kind of started to play with it a little bit. I opened an account, then I went with that. And I just never went back to other markets after. So it's kind of a market that I love. It was like really active at the time as well. And it's also really active now. So that's the market I've been thinking to. So that's where it all began, 2013. That's awesome. So let me ask you this. With the things that are going on in the world right now, we have actually started to see a lot of the currencies, at least the currencies that I'm personally looking at regularly, have slowed up quite a bit. How have you had to adjust your trading and the stuff that you're doing with these weird, weird, uncertain times that we're all living in right now? So it's been both like slow and really kind of crazy at, at the same time in different pairs. So 
it's been kind of like a game of trying to understand which pairs perform how. And then some pairs that are more, more like small moves, then you have to adjust to take profit. You have to kind of go for smaller moves. And then the other pairs that are moving widely, maybe don't trade them as well. So there's been a lot of pairs that are kind of step aside for some time recently because uh, they were moving either too fast or it was too choppy. And so it's just a game of like knowing how they move, what volatility, what volatility they have on each pair and trying to understand if that makes sense to trade. I trade reversals mostly. So trying to see if it makes sense to kind of trade these pairs. I'm not looking for like big reward myself. It's like a two, three to one usually. So it's not that big, but you still have to be careful about not entering too many trades that end up break even or end up with two losses. That's awesome. I mean, I think, I think that's the kind of approach so many traders have to take these days is that risk to reward, making sure that you're looking for that bigger reward, because at the end of the day, we're going to take losses. We're going to get kind of beat up left and right sometimes. And as long as we can manage that risk and continue to keep swinging and moving forward. So kind of want to go back to how things started here, because I know you're currently in Thailand. You're from Canada. Yeah, I want to hear about that too. You're a traveling trader, as they say. I got to hear more about this lifestyle that you're living. Sure. So what made the big shift for me? I never really thought I would be trading and traveling when I began trading for sure. Uh, what made the big shift for me was in 2015, actually it was in university and I, I went to study in Hong Kong for one semester. So I traveled abroad, spent a whole semester in Asia, which I really love. And that, that's kind of what gave me the passion to travel. So back then I didn't really have a way to trade full time at all. I was studying in university. I was kind of having different jobs to be able to also pay for it and, and like do exchange and everything. And so when I got back to Canada, that's where kind of the, the, the reality check hit me of like, oh, I need to be able to do something different to be able to not have a job. I had like a real bad issue that next summer where I had to work like crazy hours in like a company I hated. And so that kind of hit me to find a way to do things different. So I work hard on myself. We can dive into that more if you want uh, later for sure. And eventually two, three years after when I began to, when I actually graduated university, I was able to take a flight to Shanghai the first time, travel in Asia. And then I never went kind of go back since to a job, just training and traveling. I think that's like the dream, right? I mean, that's what everyone gets into trading. They want some sort of freedoms with it. You wanted the freedom to travel. You've created that. I mean, what more could you want, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe a couple more, a couple dollars more. Um, but I think that is just so awesome. And how often are you staying in one place? Are you bouncing around all the time? Just, hey, I'm going to pick it up this week. I'm going to go stay in this town next week. And then maybe maybe I'll be back in this area in three months. Like how, how, do you, how much do you move around? For about two years, 2017, 2019 was like pretty much moving in, moving to a different place every week or so. I was trying to like, let's say one month per country, going to like four different cities. So moving about every week. And then that's something I really love to do. I want to kind of try something different after. So 2019, I got an apartment the first time in Thailand, to see how it was like to kind of live here for some time. And then I got stuck in the, uh, the, con- the coronavirus crisis and everything. So I'm kind of stuck here now, but it's a good place to be. So I'm still loving it anyway. And I, I've been traveling anyways every few weeks now because it's like, there's no lockdown or anything. So you can travel inside the country. So. That's been good, but it's been the same thing for like, yeah, two years, like moving in every, every week or so to a different place, different city, different country sometimes. I couldn't imagine. I moved 14 times in four year span and I thought that was a lot moving every week for two years, give or take. That's wild. Speaking of, you brought up COVID here. How have things adjusted over there? I know it's not trading related, but I'm kind of curious, like over here, we're seeing surges back coming. We're hearing the term lockdowns coming back, you know, shutting things down. What are you guys seeing over there? 
it's been really crazy in Thailand in the sense that I thought this place would be like really insane in terms of numbers of, of COVID because like it's not far from China. They have a lot of travelers here from China, everything where things start and, and start. So, so I thought things would be worse, but they had like a week with 100 cases and then got like 150 and it went down after. So they had only like 3,000 cases total, uh, only like 50 deaths or something. So that's been really, really good here. And now they've had no cases for like two or three months easily. So it's been really well. Oh, you guys are back to normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Vietnam is like the uh, king of uh, COVID response, pretty much, from what I hear. So that's super cool. And by the way, just for the listeners, I'll say the same thing I said to Etienne earlier, that uh, I'm a little bit under the weather uh, as we're recording this right now. So you might not hear my sort of chipper banter back and forth. But uh, <laughs> I am super interested. And if I'm not talking, it's not because I don't care. <laughs> All right. So what are the big products you're focusing on right now? Where are you seeing where are you seeing the opportunity? We saw yen last week making crazy move. I mean, rallies and breaks in the yen were kind of fun. I tried to catch in on a little of that. Um, but where are you seeing the big opportunity? What are some of the big uh, pairs you're focusing on right now? So I don't really think in terms of pairs because pairs they vary quite a bit, and you might be into something one week, the next week is different. So. I focus more like the long-term basis of things. And for me, that's not about pairs. It's about like building different uh, systems that are more basically systematic with the, with no work involved. So that's what I focus on now. And, and the pairs will vary all the time and that's good. So the goal is to kind of build a different algorithm now where they help you to also have more freedom and travel and kind of try to, to capitalize on, on different moves in the market. So some algos are more for reversals. Some would be more for trends. Some would be out of volatility, low volatility and everything of the sort. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm focusing on right now. No matter what the pair. Oh, that's doing. awesome! So, you, so you're doing a lot of algo trading. You're setting up your systems. You're really hitting the dream here. You're building out a system that allows your system to make money while you're traveling all throughout Asia. Yeah, well, this algo thing started as a as a need for some pain I had with traveling and trading. So it's really good to travel, but then you you could be in a place and you have to like be there and and look at trades all day or like. In the best case, look at your phone like every hour or every four hours to look at trades and, and the chart. And that's not good. That's that's something that can be really hard if you like take a plane, there's no Wi-Fi, you cannot look at your trades, and that can screw up your whole month. So I had to find a way to make this better. And first thing is I coded a kind of alert system to be able to get alerts on trades that my system was finding. And that worked like somewhat fine. But again, if you're in a plane, if you're in a boat, it's really hard to get take the trades manually. So the next logical step was getting an algo to do that. And so since about the year and a half, we've been using an algo to take trades. And that's been really, really good to be able to get more freedom and just not have to be there all day to look at the charts. So just pure innovation. How do you, how do you go about uh, like designing? Like we haven't talked to as many people who have these algo programs. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the process of how you go about designing that? Yeah. So basically, I just kind of I, I used to code a little bit before I was a trader. So that kind of helped me a little bit. Uh, then I got to code it and I, I started to realize it was like much harder than I thought. And then one of my students, which I, I taught before, reached out to me. He said, oh, he wanted to try to code the algo. So he kind of started to code for me that way and started to code the algo and helped me out with different parts I didn't really understand to code. And that's kind of how it, it evolved. So eventually he was able to kind of even work for me full time now. So that was pretty much the process. So it's, it's all about kind of doing the same thing I was doing manually, but finding ways to make it work with the algo, which is so tough sometimes. But we can always find like a workaround or things to make it kind of fit anyway. And how long have you been building out these algos? I know you started trading and you moved out there in 2017. How long have you been doing these algos? Like realize that that was a need. 
I began with the alert system in about 2000, probably end 2018. So it's not that, that long ago. It's pretty recent still. I still feel like I, like, like I learned a lot in, in that regard of algos and things. And we made a ton of mistakes first with like things we didn't think about even that were happening in the market and then the algo take trades. So it's still a good process to learn, but it's been about a year and a half at least now. Okay. So how often have you found that you're having to iterate? With changing environments and market states, how often are you having to iterate on these algos or do you, have you found that they're pretty fluid throughout most market states? So now we have a part that's like manual where we have to look at the zones in your chart manually, the support zones areas. So that's kind of our filter. We can adjust based on volatility. So if the market moves more, we can adjust the zone, can make it bigger, smaller and everything. Uh, the setup is really mechanical. So it's taking the same thing all the time, never varies. And we're, we're, we're like working on ways to make it better and improve it. But for now, it's pretty much all uh, mechanical and we don't touch it much. Okay. So you are looking, using a lot of support and resistance within yes, your trading yes. there. That's awesome. So I know you wanted to talk about a certain subject, which I find really interesting. And we've actually been talking a lot about routines and habits here lately. Um, you wanted to discuss this consistency and habits. Let's just start there. What is your thoughts around this? Yeah, so a lot of people who reach out to me on a daily basis, they always want to try to get consistent results in trading. Like that, that's the ultimate goal, of course. The thing people don't really understand is the fact that the only way to get there is if your routines and your habits and what you do daily is consistent too. So you cannot just like have ideas of strategies, try them out on a, on a daily basis and then get consistent results. That, that won't happen. Or you cannot just try to uh, have some fairly routine you do when you feel like it and get good results. That won't happen either. So that's the main principle. Um, we can dive into that more if you want. We can go deeper. There's some routines I do that I think really help me. And some, that, some things you have to avoid also. So That's my follow-up question. Let's hear about some of these routines. I think we all have them. And uh, we'll do a little round table here and see who's who's got the weirdest one. <laughs> so why don't you start? Yeah, so <laughs> I have a, a lot of different things I do. But one of the main ones that I've been, I've been doing for a long time is journaling. And not in the sense of like tracking trades, because that's something that any robot or any like site could do, but more in the sense of trying to understand how you perform that day. So what you did well, ask myself three questions, what I did well, what I didn't do well, how can I improve the next day? And just that doing that every night helped me a lot to kind of get back on track. So if you find out something you do wrong every day or you have to work on, if you make it a point and a focus to work on it the next day, then for sure you will improve and you'll, be, you'll become better. So that's been one thing. Uh, the other thing I have to say that really helped me a lot too is reaching out to traders. So... I began back in 2015. I, I knew new traders around me and I started to kind of send emails. I went to meetups of traders in my city in Montreal, Canada, and I began to kind of, yeah, send emails to traders and ask them to interview them, to interview them on, on my podcast, which I began back then. And I was surprised that people actually replied and they actually want to kind of help me out and, and teach me things also. And so that's been a really good habit. So every week I would reach out to five people that I didn't know about before or that like, I heard in books, I heard somewhere else and I reached out to them. And that kind of really helped me to build my connection, improve my mindset, and become, I think, much better over time. That's awesome. So you started the podcast right in the beginning. Yeah. And the, the beginning in the sense of like, I actually went to a meetup in Canada. So they had this free meetup. They organized every few months or every month in Canada. So I decided to go back there one, one night. It actually took me like two months to decide to go there. Then I went there. And in just one evening of being at that meetup and being around traders who were trading into professionally or full-time. Or, or, or some beginners also, but I, I learned a lot more that night than in like two years before just reading books and watching videos and listening to podcasts just in one evening. And that's where I understand the power of being around other traders and maybe in person, maybe online, but being on other traders and sharing thoughts, explaining things, talking about different things you see, you hear, 
uh, and they can change your mindset really awesome, a lot also. So that's what really helped me. So I said, I have to find a way to you around more traders. And the only way I knew which worked really well is podcasts. You ask them to interview them. Some say yes, some say no, but eventually you build like a, a lot of uh, people who want to be interviewed and you, you build your knowledge that way and your connections as well. That's kind of how I started. That's awesome. And the podcast is called Desire to Trade. Desire to Trade Podcast, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so any of our listeners out there, feel free to go check that one out, rate and review for them too. Uh, we know how important that is. We want those rates and the reviews. Boy, do um, we. That really is, I, I definitely wouldn't have, that would not be the route I would have ever thought to go ever of like getting to know people like, hey, screw it. I'm just going all the way. I'm starting a podcast. Let's make this thing happen. Like that's, that's, I think the perfect word is bold. That's a big step. Like that's really cool. So back to routines. Um, Jack, what's something about your routine that you like to focus on in the morning? Well, I like what, uh, yeah, either one. What, what he was saying about the journaling is that it's important that you journal the things that you can't just go find on a chart somewhere, right? I, like, I'm much more interested in sort of how I felt about things or what I was thinking as I put a trade on as opposed to just, you know, I got in at this price, I got out. So I'm a big fan of journaling. Um, I'd like to say I have more routine of exercise, um, but not as much these days. Uh, first half of the pandemic, I was doing pretty well. Second half has been a little bit of a disaster, but. Didn't um, you buy a new bike and everything? I did buy a new bike, but you know, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like where am I going to ride to? Yeah. Um, yeah, but for me, it's exercise. It's doing the same, um, things at the same time each day when i was trading i would always start at you know 6 45 go through the charts um get ready for the numbers eat breakfast that's a big one uh if you treat your body well the performance will come so those are just some of the things that i do there what about you dan i know you're a man of habits i'm a man of habits uh i'm very superstitious kind of person um from all the way back to being a kid playing hockey, my time in the military, everything was kind of the same. Be consistent, be do the same stuff over and over again. And then that way, when you're in a rush or you're not feeling well, you're going to be all right. So for me, it's kind of similar to Jack. Same time for everything. So I get up every morning between 4.30 and 5.30. Uh, there's a little room there. It was snowing today. I mean, the roofs have the roofs have snow on them out here. I mean, I've got snow and my, my truck is covered. So today was a little bit slower Monday morning, but I still got up. I went out for a run. I came home. I had two hard-boiled eggs, two cups of coffee. I watched the news, and I framed up the three markets that I'm going to trade today. And then from there, now I'm coasting. Now everything is just triggering as it should, and uh, I'm, it's all about that morning routine for me. Yeah, that's good, Dan. Two hard-boiled eggs. You are an ascetic. I love it. I've been adjusted. I, you know, every day it's a little different. Today was hard-boiled eggs um, with two sausage links as well. You know, gotta get a little. <laughs> I wake up every morning. I cook myself a full English breakfast with rashers and blood pudding. <laughs> it's just a little two-hour routine I have in the morning. Right. Um, I do not do that. I uh, just eat the same Aldi protein bar. Um, <laughs> but so be it. Um. Yeah, but like I think those if you are consistent, like people want that consistent performance and you need to bring cons- what was it the Hogue says, Dan? You need to bring consistency to the market if you want consistency out. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um so you not only do you have a podcast, you also have a YouTube channel. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So what's on the YouTube channel? What are you doing over there? And are you just live trading all day or? So what goes there is, is deeper than live trading. I feel like live trading is good, but it's hard to help people with that. So my goal is to be able to help people kind of grow and become better and be better traders, but also be better human beings in general. So the way I basically, what I do is I publish interviews there. I, I do videos about every day there. Just kind of bring a daily reminder and things and have people know what they focus on. So there's a lot of content there that's like, uh, I mean, out there that's like more theoretical, more like theory based, like how to use moving average. And I think that goes far for some people, but not as far as teaching people how to be independent, how to do th- things on their own and how to love themselves and become better people. So that's kind of what's on the channel on a daily basis. Is the channel also desire to trade? Is our trade. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that because I think, you know, trade rooms are great. If people are calling trades, if that works for you, by all means. Um, but that's just, you know, that's giving a man a fish. Let's teach him how to fish. You know, why are we executing trades? You can get into these rooms and if you are doing live trades, you don't know what that person that's executing that trade, what their appetite for risk is, you know, what their thought process is going on. Do they have something going on at home that's just making them make the craziest trades? We don't know any of that stuff. And we got to be cautious. And so if learning, going deeper, learning why we're executing, why we're taking these trades really makes a huge difference, I really think. Absolutely, yeah. And I feel like a, a lot of the success in trading too is how to get back on track. It's good to perform well, but then sooner or later you'll fall and you have to go back on track. So how do you get back on track properly? I think that's a skill that a lot of people have to master. And, and it, it for sure takes time, but when you master that, then you become much better. How do you get back on track? So for me, it's a mix of what I'm saying, first of all, that I felt a lot of my big drawdown happened because I didn't know that I, that I felt or I had a few losses in the market. And then I thought that the market was just like really bad after, but I started to make more mistakes. So being able to understand that first is a key, the, the, the basic thing at, at the beginning. And then from there, it's just about trying to, to understand how you felt and what you have to do to get back on track. So I have a few routines for sure. Meditation really helps me to get back on track. And the other thing is they're more about kind of trying to review uh, the process, like what exactly felt in that process and how you can kind of be better next time. And just kind of bringing a mindset of numbers and probabilities as opposed to having some objectives in mind or things you want to achieve because that's not really helping at the point. So it's just about changing your mindset and going back on track. I like that. It's focusing on the stats, the numbers, the data behind it. Now, yeah. don't take trades just because, you know, the gut's feeling like this is a good trade. Take that trade because there's facts and stats and probabilities behind it. Oh, yeah. I mean, losing money never does not suck. You know, like if you've been in it for a year, a decade, 3.8 decades like Hogue, losing money (laughs) is never it's always a tough pill to swallow, but you got to be objective about it. And the more that you can kind of be at peace with realizing that's part of trading is losing money from time to time and not take it out hard on yourself, not be doing revenge trading, stuff like that. That's when you're at peace. It's very uh, Zen, very uh, almost Buddhist. You know, you have to be okay with these things. Without a doubt. Yeah, the other thing that helps a lot is a lot of people when they trade, they take like the role of like a clerk or like a cashier when, when they place trades, but they should be focusing on like more being a CEO of like, you can have losses and losses are like refunding the company, right? So you won't be a CEO and look at the refunds and be pissed off and be sad and be angry when you have refunds. So you look at the big picture view of things, you look back every month, every quarter at your result, and that's where you make decisions, not on the day-to-day of when you execute trades. So if you take the right mindset when you trade, which is different than like uh, being impacted by, by the results, by the P&L, which it doesn't matter anyway, 
you're more likely to be able to execute better over time. So that, that made a big difference for me. And now I pretty much never look at my PNL on a daily basis. I look at it on a monthly basis. And if I have to make changes, it's going to be on a monthly basis with data for sure. Yeah. It's, it's not an hourly job where you can expect to, you know, go do work and make X amount an hour. You got to look at things holistically. So yeah, I like that. We always tell people too, it's just, you got to treat your account like it is business. Let me ask you guys a question specifically you, Etienne. Um, winning streaks. How do you handle that? I think we, I think so many conversations go around like, okay, we're have, we had a losing streak here. We had a rough week or we had a rough two weeks. Like this is how to approach that. What happens when you've just been knocking out of the park every single day for a couple of weeks? How do you, how do you handle that? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be different for everyone, but you have to, you have to figure out what makes you fall in these winning streak, like where the, the shift happened. And then you got to do a meditation on that. You got to find a way to kind of go back in your head, like visualize the process and understand where you fell and what happened then. So for example, for me, um, things happen when I have like a really, really good month. The next month I feel like, oh, I just don't want to trade. I want to stay away and not, not take too many trades, not impact my results from last month. So th- that's my personal kind of issue that happens sometimes. And so I have to go back in that process and try to, try to understand, well, why does that happen? And most of us, because we want to be kind of proud, we don't want to, we don't want to be shameful. We don't want to be feeling bad. And that's what happens then. So when did that happen? That happens when I see my PNL at the end of the month and I say, well, I don't want to trade next month or I, I want to hear that, that good result. I want to be having a good result in my history, right? Kind of. So understanding that is really big, but then it's about what can you do to make sure that when it comes next month, you're willing to trade and you're back on track. So you can find a way to do that. Uh, for me, it's been about doing that exercise first, but also having the right routines. Some routines make me want to trade more than others. If I wake up at 9 a.m. and I, I'm like, oh, I'm going to trade a little bit. It's not the same routine as if you wake up on time, 5.30 a.m., you get to the gym, you do this and that, and you're back on track. So this is something that helped me. Uh, might not be the same for everyone, but you got to figure out where you fall and why that happens in a psychological basis of just because of childhood, things we, we saw when we were younger, of, of course. Uh, so you can think about that first and then try to understand why you do what you do now. So you mentioned getting up at 5.30, getting up on time. I I used to live, I lived in Japan for a year. Um, I was stationed over there and I was trading while I was there and I was very fortunate. I worked mostly at night. And so my shifts would run from 5 p.m. at Japanese time to I would work until maybe six or seven or eight in the morning Japanese time. So I had work nights. And so my trading was actually okay because I could access the markets. But how have you adjusted your schedule? Have you found that there are certain times that work best for you to trade, um, especially with the time change and everything that's going on? Well, now because I swing trade, I don't really have to be there for certain hours. When I began traveling, I was day trading a little bit more. So I had to be there certain hours, which make, which made it like really hard and difficult to travel. And now it's more like whenever I want to do it. But I found that morning for me really helps. If I kind of leave it up to chance so I don't look at the chart in the morning, I feel lost come the afternoon. So I have to kind of have this in the morning first things. And that's how I've been able to kind of be consistent in my daily reviews, my routine on a daily basis. Otherwise, it's really hard to kind of keep, keep up, keep on track. If you do it like whenever you feel like it. Yeah, without a doubt. Swing trading, you have to be cautious and thinking about that type of stuff. Yeah. So how long do you find yourself? Um, how long are you holding trades for these days? Do you kind of work in a similar time frame or? Yeah. So I'm trading one hour chart in the forward chart. So on a one hour chart, trades might happen in about five or six hours if, if I'm lucky. If not, it's about like one to two days maximum. And then on a four hour chart, it's more like, uh, let's say 12 hours minimum. 
and then it could be off to let's say four or five days. So something that has always intrigued me about Forex is paying those swaps on Wednesday, the overnight swaps on Wednesdays to cover the weekend. How often does that influence any of your decision making in your trading? I feel like for me, I would think about that a lot going into a Wednesday. Like, do I really want to pay that extra extra swap if I'm not going to carry my position into this weekend? Yeah, well, usually it doesn't really matter for me. The swap is, is small enough to not really impact my, my decisions. So I don't really care about that too much. Um, at the same time, you could look at, at it if you want. Some trades will get swapped, some trades will pay it. So mm-hmm. it's right. kind of add up in the end of the month. So it's not a big issue. That's a good way of putting it. I guess it does. It could add up at the end of the month that you kind of just like an ATM fee. Like you pay the fee now, yeah, but yeah. you might be getting them back at the end of the month. That's how it works for me. I get my ATM fees back at the end of every month. No, that's fun. Yeah, it's kind of nice. All right. So you've only been at this for, you know, not that long, five years of trading, really. And you've got such a deep knowledge base already, which is really amazing. And you have found most of this just through your networking. Yeah, part of that. I also got a coach, of course, that really helped me to be able to solidify things. Um, I learned from a guy who was trading for a pretty big bank in Canada at some point. So that helped me a bit to be able to kind of learn things. And also something I didn't know at all back then. I didn't know about the market context. I didn't know about sports areas and how to look at the overall picture of the market. So that, that's something I learned a lot from that, that course and the coaching. Uh, but yeah, the rest was basically now I, I invest more in, course, in coaches than before, but it's basically been, yeah, my networking on people that are kind of smarter than me, I guess, sometimes like they, they know things that I don't know about. They know things about different markets, different algos that I don't know. And so I can learn that way. It's been pretty much that for the past like five years. You said something interesting there. We're learning from people that know things that I don't know. I, I, you know, I've been at this for 15 years. 14-ish, going on 15, uh, been in the industry my entire life, and I still feel like just two weeks ago, like I had another discovery talking to someone else. It's like, gosh, I've never looked at that. I started to look at it, and I'm like, oh, that's going to help me be better. Like, No matter how long you've been doing this, I know our colleague, we mentioned him a couple of times, John Hoagland, he's one of our colleagues here. He's been doing this for 38 years he's been in the industry, and he still says all the time, there's always something new to learn. Like these markets are constantly teaching us stuff and having those conversations and learning from other people. It's amazing. As long as you can keep that, that open mindset into everything we're doing in this industry, because it's changes constantly. Everything is changing. If you can keep that open mindset to listening and hearing people out, doesn't matter how long they've been doing this for. doesn't matter who they are, if they have something to bring to the table, if you can give them a listen and apply it, it, it can definitely help. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Have you guys ever seen any new traders that think they know everything? They think <laughs> they know everything that's a good strategy. <laughs> of course. And these people usually fail, right? Because right. They, they don't have the, the, the ideal knowledge. So they still have things to learn. And so I think the same thing goes with, even if you have like 30 years of experience, which I'll probably get there one day and still learn things. And that's that's part of it. I think learning is good. It's, it's a happy moment for me. It's something I also do anyway. So might as well learn and, and be around with people and yeah, experience new things. It's so true. I don't think you find success in this industry until you get humbled a little bit, until you have that yeah, humility to say, I'm, I don't know it. I mean, I came from in a different experience. Like I was told from day one, you don't know what you're doing. You know, I fell into the prop firm world and they just said, and Jack, you're probably the same. Like, you don't know what you're doing. We're going to teach you how to do it. 
so that you actually have an idea. I'm like, that's how I fell into this. I had no clue. They just said, like, they pulled up charts and said, we're going to teach you how to read these charts. Don't go read any books on it right now. Oh, that's oh, what I yeah. did. Absolutely. I remember, um, you know, so I worked a year and a half of, you know, nights as like a trading assistant. And then when I got my own account, um, I still knew nothing at all because I, uh, I remember like, you know, the, the first month went pretty well. And I remember just like thinking, like extrapolating out like, oh, you know, this is the new normal now. I will make this much per month forever, <laughs> if not more. <laughs> uh, no, then the second month came and uh, humbled me. Um, so yeah, you always got to be, when you're done learning, you just got to go do something else because you just got to be adaptable. I think that's the biggest, if I was to say like the biggest virtue for a trader or really anything is just being adaptable, having that ability to learn. I think these days the opposite thing happens. So with like YouTube, with like all the podcasts out there that are popping up now, which is a good thing for sure. People can learn a lot of things, but there's a sense also of, People wanting to learn everything, which doesn't make any sense. So you got to be able to kind of filter what you learn at first, even though it might not feel good. Like people want to learn everything at once because it feels good. It's nice. You feel like you're, you're getting better, but you don't actually get better in terms of results. So filtering what you learn at first. And I think that's that's why getting a mentor from this art could be good. Uh, I definitely wish I had that at first. I wish I was able and willing to kind of meet traders in the beginning. Uh, so I think that that can make a big difference for people. I would agree. So before we get too close to wrapping things up here, I'm curious because I want to know, you're in Thailand now. You've been there, you said, since 2019. How long is it going to last? Are you already are you getting itch, the itch to move and set uh, some foundation somewhere else? Or are you going to stay there for a while? Yeah, so before the, the COVID uh, crisis hit, like I was supposed to move out in September. And so I was thinking, well, September, I'll start to travel again. I'll go, like, I'll, I'll take a cheap apartment and start to travel. And of course, it's all to close border and everything. I couldn't travel at all for, for there. So I took a bigger apartment, stay here longer. Uh, so it seems like I'll be staying here for a year at least and travel more locally to like different provinces in Thailand, which is really cool. It's something I, I didn't do before much. Uh, but it's probably going to be a year and then I'll see if I travel again. I, I definitely want to travel more. Um, I want to go back like, like that moving every week kind of phase, which is really fun and exciting. So. We'll see what happens with the, all of this. Yeah. Well, Montreal's great too. That's one of my favorite. I went, uh, ice fishing it's up there, yeah. uh, last year before, you know, before the COVID stuff. Great times. Um, love it. Great food, great people. So it's not bad there either. <laughs> no, see, now I even miss it. So yeah, I definitely want to go back also. That's awesome. The one thing that keeps popping up in my head, just hearing about all this travel, I struggled with like, granted, I lived in Japan and, 2012 13 i believe it was um so it was a little while ago and why wi-fi and like internet wasn't great have you had any issues with that traveling as much as you have yeah in some countries it's especially hard because they have uh, either they block some brokers and things like indonesia where most brokers are, are blocked so you have to use vpn to, to get them and it's really slow but in general, especially in Asia, the Wi-Fi is really, really fast. Um, so I've never had any problem with that. And Bangkok is much faster than Canada, for sure. For sure. Uh, some countries might be a little bit more slow, like Indonesia, like uh, especially Australia is really slow as well, um, unfortunately. So yeah, there's some countries more slow, but then you have to adapt. Um, I used to, like when I did YouTube videos in, in the past in China or something, I used to like upload them overnight. It would take the whole night to upload, which is kind of fun. I would put them <laughs> at night, wake up in the morning, they were almost done or something. So 
that happens. Um, but yeah, you gotta be able to to adapt to it, and it's never a big deal. Just gotta be more patient and kind of maybe also go to countries that are better that have better internet. So some countries that I I didn't really go to now because I didn't want to have to like not trade for like a few weeks or a few a few months. So it's something you have to deal with, but to, to me, it's worth it. So that's awesome. Lucius with that. So I know we're kind of coming up on the end here. I got a couple last questions for you. Number one, there's a lot of new traders out there that are trying to get into this industry. What are some of the steps that you would recommend to them to getting into this? Definitely, first thing is you got to be able to surround yourself with other traders and not try to think you can master all yourself. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to pay for like a course or get a coach or something. You just got kind of try to find meetups and there's meetups now in every city uh, on the world. Like you can go on meetup.com. It's a site that I've been using back then to look at meetups. You can find meetups anywhere in, in, in the world you are. And so I, I would say that's the first thing. Meet traders in person, try to see how they do things, try to ask questions, not try to like, show what you know, but ask questions instead. And I think that's the first step. They will guide you to where things make sense to go. That's awesome. All right. So we've got... Desire to Trade podcast, Desire to Trade YouTube channel. Uh, where can any of our listeners find you? Anywhere else? Um, Twitter, anything like that? Yeah, I'm pretty much anywhere. Twitter, Instagram as well. Um, they can just search for Desire to Trade. They will find me there. That's awesome. Sure. Well, I can't thank you enough for sitting down with us. Um, this has been a fun conversation. I've really enjoyed learning about you. Um, I think our listeners have as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Jack and I will see everyone else after that weird little sound. Um, Other than that, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Hi-ho, neighbors. Well, (laughs) cut that. I think I would get sued by the Simpsons, or leave it in with that part of it so that they know. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for uh, listening to the entirety of the Limit Up podcast. Uh, We always appreciate you guys, so be sure to rate and subscribe us on itunes or spotify or wherever else you're doing that um stay tuned for some stuff coming up at top step we're making some big changes coming down the pipe i'll be vague for now and uh there'll probably be some uh some pretty sexy promotions coming down too so there might be some deals in the air and since we're all going to be at home mostly over the holidays uh you know that's some more time to trade (laughs) flip some crude oil (laughs) jd you got anything coming up uh, not much, but I'll let you know uh, if anything does come up. As far as these markets go, it's risk off across the board. And if you got to sit on your hands, don't feel bad about it. Yeah. Speaking of sitting on their hands, you know, we talk about how, you know, our funded accounts aren't allowed to trade on the night of the election. But uh, JD's taking sitting on the hands to extreme because he's going to go uh, volunteer to uh, be a poll worker. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I, I don't think you're going to be trading from there. But uh, <laughs> it's going to be a mess too. First election uh, where training was done 100% digital or uh, online, there was no uh, live practice. So it they're was. saying 70, 70% of new poll workers have zero experience using any of the technology. So yeah, give I yourself can... a little extra time on election day if you're in Chicago. It's good people voted early. I uh, I expect, I know at least one, because my wife is also doing the same thing. Do you do you know where you're going to be at? Are you around your place? I am. It's uh, not too far. Uh, it's in Logan Square, just a few blocks from my house. So it'll work out good. Well, right on. Well, if you are a registered voter in the United States or someone in a state where you could same day re- uh, register to vote, be sure to go out and do that. And um, we'll be back next week with a pretty 
interesting intro because we'll probably know what happened by then. And uh, it'll be a weird interview after that because the interview will be recorded before the election. But um, yeah, looking forward to know that so we can get that behind us and get back to our lives. Uh, Namaste and trade well. The Limit Up podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures in Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.